Have you ever been part of a team that were at the top of their game where nothing could stop you and your team from accomplishing what you needed to do? Or have you ever seen this from an outsider's perspective and know that, hey, whatever's going on with that team or that individual, they're the cream of the crop, the tip of the top, and nothing can stop them? Hey, you're listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. My name is Caleb, and with me working on the podcast is Tatsuya Murao. One of my best examples of this was the 2014 FIFA World Cup, where it was Germany versus Brazil. And if you don't know this match, it was one of the most epic matches where Brazil just got stomped on by Germany. They lost to Germany 7-1, and Germany just totally dominated from beginning to end. And when you look at that game, even in the first 2-3 minutes, you know, hey, Germany, they've got it all. They've got that factor that you don't know how to explain why they have it or why today is their day, but it is, and not even God in some ways can oppose that kind of team because everything is going in their direction. Today I'd like to explain to you why there are some instances where you in your organization and you as a leader can put together a team that can perform at that very high level. And so I'm going to go through a few ways where that can happen and a few principles where you can start to build the foundations that can lead to world-class analytics development teams. So I'd like to start by explaining a few principles that can lay the foundation to a world-class analytics development team. So if you are a leader in healthcare analytics or in analytics in general, these fundamental principles can help you build the baseline to development team and developing projects that can lead to outstanding world-class results. One of the first things that I would say is that in developing a team, It needs to be cohesive, and when it's cohesive, then every person in the team can contribute in a unique way. And so, suppose as of overall general principle, everybody on your team has the grit, the ability, and the attitude that they're willing to do what it takes to accomplish the given goal or the given task that's at hand. And that whatever they need to do, whatever talents that they need to acquire in their field in order to do so, that they can accomplish it. And so if there's a unique project that involves data automation or it involves creating a database that is uniquely qualified for you and your organization, that the individuals or the specific individual involved in that project has a unique tool set, the grit, the ability, and the wherewithal to learn and to accomplish what needs to take place in order to get to that goal line. And so there will be many different steps that need to be taken in order for you to have a complete product as far as analytics is concerned. But what you need is you need a team that works seamlessly together so that it just looks flawless on the outside, but on the very inside, everybody has a grit, ability, and attitude to accomplish it. So that's what I would say as first principles is find people who have that it factor that when you combine them together, they all get along and they all know how to contribute to the overall goal that is being placed in front of them. The other things that I would say is that when you're coming to fundamental principles, have a way of working 
that is well established or a way of working and a methodology of working that everybody can agree on at first. And so if you're going to work in the best way possible, then have an agile methodology or a lean methodology where there's quick feedback loops between communication. And so everybody on the team can then communicate and know where everybody is on a project so that nobody loses sight and everybody works well together. There are things that are intangible when it comes to working together, of course, like personalities and abilities and the ways that everybody contributes to the overall goal. And there are a lot of intangibles that are very, very difficult to explain that only you as a leader can really define and really articulate because you know as far as the team that you're composing or the team that you're working with what intangibles you need in order to accomplish the goal. And so I would recommend that as far as fundamental principles are concerned, that you identify and you just write out, these are the intangibles that I want as far as the team that I am leading in analytics. What intangibles do I need and what intangibles work for what I am doing in analytics as far as being a leader? Once you establish what you need as a leader as far as your team, then you can build a team around you and your abilities. And so you as, as a leader are part of that team, but also that team needs to operate well within itself. The last principle that I would say is that when you are looking at a project that has a long time span, or let's say even a month or two month time span, that you need individuals that are willing to stick with it and are willing to have the, the ability to stick with a project and to want to see it through till the very end. And in my experience, that's one of the most valuable principles for, for me is that you are willing to work with people that are willing to stick it through to the end. And so even if it's halfway through the project and there's a big hurdle that is very, very difficult to tackle, that everybody doesn't quit and say, well, this is insurmountable, let's go back to square one. That they can actually look through and work through the obstacles that are in their way in order to accomplish the end goal. Because when you're working through those very, very difficult tasks, those are the ones that if pre-established beforehand, if everybody knew, hey, this is difficult and this is going to be very difficult, but if everybody knew that was going to be the case, then the lead up is a lot easier than something that blindsides you and says, man, this is very, very difficult. We didn't expect it. And so part of it is that you have a team that's willing to grid it out and to have the tenacity to accomplish those difficult tasks. But also it needs a leader like you who has the clarity to explain to a team and to your organization where the difficulties are within a given analytics project. So those are some fundamental principles. I didn't lay them out as concretely as I would have liked, but those fundamental principles can help you identify the groundwork that can lead to a world-class team. And really, quite frankly, you and your organization are the only ones can, who can identify those principles that can help you. It's very difficult from the outside to identify those principles because we don't quite know what your organization needs, how your organization performs, and the culture that you are working with. And those things such as culture, for example, are very tied into the principles that are ingrained within your organization. So getting principles out of the way and understanding that principles do guide how world-class teams perform, 
There are other things as far as project development and working within a specific scope that you need to understand. And so they are fundamentally, what people do you need on your team? What methodology will you use? And how will you separate out tasks into chunks that are easy to understand and easy to to execute? Who do you need on your development team? That's the first thing I would ask is, who do we need in order to make this project a world-class project? And there are three kinds of people you need in your team. You need a product leader, a customer leader, and you need developers. And so if you need first a product leader, the product leader is somebody who will then make sure that quality of work that is being done is at the highest level. And so they're the ones who interface with the developers and the internal organization in order to produce the highest quality product. So their task is essentially making sure that everything is going on according to plan. And so they're the ones who will work with the development team and understand the difficulties and or the specifics of the development team in order to accomplish what they need to accomplish. The second is a customer leader. And this person interfaces with the development team and the product leader, but interfaces with the organization and the customer. And so they're the ones that make sure that the project is what the customer needs. And in this case, in analytics, the customer can be a given number of things. It can be an external customer outside of your organization. It could be an internal customer like the executive team within your organization. And it could be a third-party customer if you're developing an application for an outside business. So fundamentally, this customer leader is the one who makes sure that every milestone is accomplished and meets the needs of their customer. The third category is developers. And this is a catch-all phrase, but really the developers that you need on your team are broken down into their specialty. And so if you have a project that involves the database management, analytics as far as uh, data visualizations and or automation, then what you will need is you will need developers that are specifically capable of accomplishing the given tasks within a project. Once you have identified world-class developers that are excellent at what they do, then it's easy to get a product leader and a customer leader who can then augment and raise the level of performance of their developers. And so even though most of the grunt work and most of the work is done at the development level, that's where the majority of value is delivered is within the development uh, process. The product leader and customer leader can bring outsized returns because they can bring insights and knowledge to the developers that they wouldn't have had internally. And so in a way, even though the baseline value is determined by the developers and the development work that is being done, any excessive value is determined by those product leaders and customer leaders that can bring more value to the customer and to the product as a whole. And this is maybe difficult to understand, but it really comes down to, in my experience, when you have a customer leader who is in tune to what the customer needs, then they can communicate that to either the product leader and or developers, and they can 
then bring a new perspective that wouldn't have already been established. And so, for example, we've worked with different with different customers where we work with developers and have developed intensive tools, but the customer had a different idea or had a greater idea of what they needed. And so when you have daily meetings between the customer leader and the customer, if the customer is, is for example, the executive team and the executive team then meets with the customer leader and says, hey, these are the things that we're seeing. These are the things that, that we'd like. Then if it's communicated from the customer to the developers, then the developers can say, oh, I understand now what the executive team needs or what the customer needs. It won't take us a lot of work. It'll take us a marginal amount of work to actually tweak this to make this better for the customer. And so in some cases, the developer doesn't have to go and do something entirely new or entirely different, but they can just tweak and change what they're doing in order to tailor it to what the customer needs. And that tailoring process and that process of making it unique for the customer is invaluable in a way because that's what makes them love the product. And so instead of them saying, oh, this product is okay, this is a 6 out of 10 project, what it takes in order to make it a 10 out of 10 project is to tailor it to their specific needs. And that's where the customer leader can help them as developers tailor projects to what the customer needs specifically. Now, as a product leader can then help the developers understand how to build the product in the best way possible. And so they're the ones who are over the product that make sure that the product is being created in the best way. Once you have a core development team that includes a product leader, a customer leader, and developers, then the next question to ask is, what methodology should we use in order to accomplish the goals that we need to accomplish? How will you work as a team? What different ways and methods will you use to make sure that you guys are on the same page as you are working through different problems and different features of the product that you're working through? There are two different ways to think about a methodology of working. And one is called the waterfall methodology and the other is called an Agile methodology. So we'll start with the old school waterfall methodology. And if you've read any books on management or product development, then you will know that waterfall methodology is fundamentally the methodology that is used when you put together a game plan of what you need to do, and then you execute on that game plan and do no iteration until the finished product is complete. The second is an Agile methodology where you use a series of loops and feedback loops that always inform you of your progress as you are going through the project. And so in, in Agile methodology teams or in Agile teams in general, they are more iterative. So every time a new feature is, is created, then it will then be shown to the product leader or to uh, an internal customer in order to get feedback so that that feedback then that can then be implemented into the project as a whole. With waterfall methodology, you don't have that feedback because you already had a master plan to start with and you want to work through that master plan all the way to the end and then receive the feedback. And then if you want to implement that feedback, you then have to start a whole new project already. If you'd like to think about agile methodology versus waterfall methodology, 
I like to think about it as far as how NASA operated before, let's say, the 90s, where if they wanted to build a spaceship, they would have to outline all the things that they needed in a spaceship. They would have to then, after they outlined everything that they needed, all the features, all the materials, everything else, then they would design it and then they would build it. And then after it's built and after $3 billion of funding, then they would then launch it and hope it goes to the moon or make it work in the way that it was designed. And so if there are any design flaws, they would then have to, on the next project, on the next spaceship that they were building, then implement that feedback into the next project. Agile is like what SpaceX does. What SpaceX will do is they will rapidly create 5 to 10 to 15 different models of a spaceship. And they will test each spaceship out with different features involved. And so if it is building a new booster rocket that will will launch them to the atmosphere, for example, then they will test that new booster rocket on a minimum feature set of a rocket that they can. And so they will ask themselves, what's the minimum requirement we need in order to test this piece of the project? And so in that way, they create eight to 10 different spaceships with different improvements along the way. And then once they're ready to launch the entire thing, then they will put it all together and then they'll test it all before it it goes to the, the complete work. And this is different because what it does is it allows SpaceX in, in this example to iterate and to learn and to improve at every step along the way. And so that they can decide, oh no, we don't want our rocket boosters to have this kind of nozzle. We want them to do this. We want the flaps on the, sh- the shuttle to work in this way. Or why did we fail and why did this thing blow up? And so at every step of the process, they're learning a lot faster than NASA would have because NASA from start to end just has one rocket and one one test methodology because it's all theoretical until the thing gets built. With SpaceX example, they iterate and they test everything out in the real world so that their theory matches up to what happens in real life. And it's a lot costlier to do the waterfall methodology than the agile methodology, even when it comes to rocket science like this. So when we bring it back to development when it comes to analytics, an agile methodology, in my experience, is a lot easier to work with because it allows for fast feedback loops. So every time an improvement is made, then we're able to get feedback on if it works, if it doesn't, if our customer likes it, if they don't if it's used in the way that it's supposed to be used, etc. And so every time there's a loop in that feedback, then you can improve on the product before it's at a final stage of, of approval. So that's the second thing is the methodology that you use is extremely important. And so the fundamental thing is however you do it, establish a quick feedback loop between the development work being done and the customer or user on the other end. The second is just use effective communication. That's kind of part of the feedback loop is however you communicate the best, use that way of communicating. Many teams like a daily stand-up to where it's a 10-15 minute call where everybody talks about what they're working on for the day and what, what information that they have gathered based on the work that they've done. Other people use Slack as a way to communicate throughout the day, etc. And that's something that you and your team would have to decide. The third 
thing that I would recommend is to chunk your work up into categories that make sense. So if the first is to gather a development team and the second is to use an effective methodology for working, then the third would be to gather each step of your process in working in an effective way. And a scrum methodology essentially separates out work into three different categories or buckets. One is a, what they call an epic, which is a big long timeline of the entire project and what it will take. The second is a story. So there are many stories within an epic. And the third is a sprint. There can be one or two or three sprints within a story. What this helps you do is it helps you create perspective on the entire work as a whole. And so you can develop a narrative that starts with an epic of this is the epic project that we want to accomplish with all the features we wanted to do this. And then with that, that epic, then you can split it up into stories that say within this big epic, we have a story of creating these kinds of things in order to make the project work. And within those stories, there are specific sprints where you have specific people dedicated to specific pieces of work that then contribute to the story as a whole. And we like to use this in a, in a way to define at the very beginning of the process, what is an epic? What's the overall goal? What's the overall scope of the project? Once we understand that, then we can identify different stories within that epic. And so in analytics, it would include a story of database management, a story of report building. It would include a story of, let's say, data pipeline development, etc. And so those would be the different stories and how those different stories interact with each other. And then you'd have sprints, which are typically one week, two week, or even a month sprints that accomplish specific aspects of your story. And so if you're working on, for example, a database management platform, then you will have different sprints that are dedicated to different parts of your story. These epics, stories, and sprints can be detailed by your core requirements. So if you go back to the core requirement documents that you developed at the very, very beginning, then you can understand how they are separated out into epics, stories, and sprints. And once you can separate out what is an epic, what is a story, and what is a sprint, then you can then tweak and modify specific aspects of a story or a sprint that contribute to an entire epic. Last year, I read a book by Frank Herbert called Dune. And if you haven't read it, I would recommend reading it because it's one of the best books that I have ever read. And it's it's well recommended by many people in venture capital, business, etc. One of the things that I've gathered from the book is that I didn't necessarily get the feeling that the author had all the specific pieces in mind as they were writing it, that he had an overall understanding or an overall epic that he wanted to describe, and he had specific elements that he wanted to include, but he did not have all the chapters and all the specifics laid out before he put the pen to paper and started writing. And that is the same way as, as a leader. When you're working on a project that is very involved and very detailed and very difficult to follow through with. And so you may have an idea of what an epic or what a general perspective of the project would be, but the specifics of the story and the sprints 
would be very, very difficult to articulate without the development team working with you through the process. And so I would say, don't be scared of establishing what the epic or what the story is you want to describe, and then work with your team to identify the sprints that will get you there. To close out this podcast, I would like to ask you one question. What does it take to lead a world-class team and to develop world-class products? What does it take for you and your team to reach that it factor, that X factor, that thing that makes everybody envious and can't quite define why you guys perform at that high level? I would argue that these specific steps and principles outlined in this episode can help you and your team achieve a world-class results. Feel free to reach out to us on any ideas or concepts that you think have been essential for you and or you are curious about. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast as we are ramping up through the end of this year. Thanks and we'll talk to you later.